Kia ora and welcome back to Cuppers and Kōrero. You are listening to your host Astiana Trolland. Today I'm interviewing Lisa Black and I'm inviting you to buckle up because this journey is one hell of a ride. We speak to the feminine principles of business, of heart-centered living, and most importantly, the importance of learning to let go because let's be honest, we have no control. Welcome, Lisa. Um, such deep gratitude and reverence being here. Let the riff begin. Yes, baby. <laughs> so from my comprehension and my time and, and energy spent with you in the past, I'm aware that you hold a very high value um, in regards to embodiment. Does it? Does that feel true for you today? Mm, yep, very true. And not something that I intentionally sought. I know that embodiment is is a is a word that's becoming really frequented in, in our conversations. And my own experience with self-abandonment and repeatedly calling people into my world who would repeatedly leave me has just given me such a beautiful opportunity to find the magic of really staying with myself and being a 14 double G breast occupying size 14 woman. I'm like five foot eight. I have quite stature. I'm representing the Amazonians and it's a big body to exist in the world in and, and dissociating from myself really uh, did bring me into the deep recognition that it's preferable to stay. <laughs> you know, I'm yet to meet you in, in person whilst we're recording this live interview, but for me, you painted a picture there with the language that you have utilised as a, as a sense of fierceness and fire. You spoke about... Uh, you know, a, a big body. And to me, it's a bold body that you have just described. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, there's this unique distinction with all of who we really are and our body so clearly reflects that. And, and how that's perceived can be such a big experience for us in our self-determination and individuation to see how we feel about ourselves once we're exposed to everyone else's view of it. And I, I really love that um, repositioning me into boldness. That was very nourishing and nurturing of you, Estiana. Thank you so much. And, and there is, there's a boldness to allowing ourselves to occupy the vessel that we came through in, hey? I mean, this is what we receive. As individuals, we don't get to change. And I feel like also in the world, just on my own perspective here for a moment, like, there's a lot of that distortion happening. And I feel like a bit, it, it begins with us as the individual to, to embody what we came here and, and to, to showcase that in a way where it feels yummy. It feels yummy. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, really, really finding my devotion and pleasure to be in this body has been a fascination. I only started dancing three, four years ago. And now it's it's such a, like, I feel like I get down on my haunches and, and this idea of being an animal 
and um, the reverence that I have towards this idea that we we are animals. We we make out that human beings are somehow distinct and separate from nature and the animal kingdom. And I'm like, oh, we've got a fine hair covering like every animal. And I think that wildness has been my aperture to that deep homecoming. And two years ago, I just, I, I roared my first roar. And when life called me to walk through the fire, it was that roar that I followed to get out. And I think we've all been placed in a position over the last few years where we've had to follow our own roar through certain experiences to find who we really are, not what we want to be, but, but what we actually are, Sienna. And when you speak to that roar, are you speaking, just to clarify, are you speaking to the sound of roar and also the almost the wave that it creates on the physical as well right yeah it was a, a literal sound that came out um it was a moment of self-advocacy where I was um speaking up for vulnerable innocence that were being disrespected and it, I, I I didn't have any control and my body just forced me into this position of, of going down and then really noticing how my my mouth just opened and this, this sound just moved through my body in a way that I'd never heard it before. And um, a part of me died in that moment because we like to pretend that we're in control. But that roar that came through in advocacy also had this way of kind of pulling pulling me through it and, and, and following me. And I've realised that Staying silent is an act of unknowingly becoming complicit. And mm -hmm. I think we underestimate the power of our voice and the power of our body to stand in advocacy because we think it's too small a contribution. It's too minimal, but it, it's actually everything. And when you speak to advocacy, would you mind sharing a little bit more in detail around what that is to you and, and what it looks like in your life at present? Yes, I want to hear your interpretation as well. Um, I studied world politics in my undergrad and became intimately acquainted with all the ways that humans can potentially annihilate each other every day. And, and that was me, kind of 22, um, struggling with insomnia because I was deeply, deeply worried for the state of the world and um, 40 now, so this is 18 years. And what that allowed me to do was really recognise that I was powerless on the world scene to affect monumental global change. And yet I had the ultimate power to transform my inner world. And that was when I realised that, you know, my parents' frequent separating and conflict and argument, you know, being raised in emotional volatility um, actually had left some huge fissures that I, I couldn't I couldn't pass. And so where I was wanting to be, bring global peace and I was deeply naive and I love myself for that, um, I just turned all of that within. And that was when I started to really recognise that I, I didn't even know how to show up for myself. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know how to stand with myself. So for me, my advocacy began... Um, as a, a careful consideration and contemplation of if I see something that I feel is wrong and it's within two meters of my physical body that falls on me to raise my voice and speak up and ask, are you okay with this? You know, how does this feel? You know, I don't know if you should be doing that. That's not okay. Stop it. 
back up? No. And that's kind of the range that I found. And for me, my agreement was that if the heavens wanted me to do something about it, then they would need to actually place me in this environment where my voice would have space and place. And so advocacy for me is speaking the truth as I sense, feel and perceive it from my heart in the moment. Mm, I love that two meter parameter of like, not censorship, but a, a space where it identifies this is a space for me to show up and share what is, well, questions even. And so my my riff on advocacy really does come down to ability to stand, and maybe that's not physically, but stand up for someone or something that feels true to me. And that's very similar to what you're saying there, is if there's something that comes through my body that feels wrong or uncomfortable or just not right. You know, there's a, a bit of a difference between those three options Mm -hmm. then I know it is my place to say something and sometimes I have to be willing to be fucking wrong about what I'm saying but it's better to be wrong than say nothing learn that on the hard way (laughs) you know that's so beautiful and I'm so enriched by um your definition and and this beautiful caveat that that the risk of being wrong has potentially inhibited you at some point and you've decided that that it's preferable preferable it's preferable to be wrong than to be silent and I just hold up two hands and really celebrate the experiences that forged the knowing of of what's most important for you thank you for that reflection I feel like it's highlighted again the silence factor right and I've seen a lot of people in my life when I reflect that have been uncomfortable but remain silent and especially over the last few years I've witnessed it regionally and nationally and globally and I'm I personally am done with being silent to anything that moves through my body and is not in resonance so I'd love to know from you Lisa (laughs) silence where does this aspect of silence play a part in your life and your journey in these moments now? It's very specific, Astiana. And and you just gave me full body tingles before, just really acknowledging. And, yep, this is my personal inquiry right now. Where am I staying silent? Where am I unwilling to speak up? And I find it easiest to find in relationships um this is you know connection is such a huge part for me of being able to be present to ourselves because that's that's when the rubber hits the road in our relationships and as a mother and a partner and a business owner with clients and a community of dear people around me the recognition of of what I carry like here (laughs) this is like and I turn and it's there and it's there um yeah I'm holding grace for the silent pieces and understanding the parameters for myself around where I don't want to cause harm and where I perceive that I could cause harm in a way that I'm deceiving myself. And differentiating those two pieces is I think where we really find the line on our advocacy and our voice and our truth and our standing in the world. Like you said before, you're standing. And this whole idea of not doing harm is very interesting because sometimes 
we confuse physical harm with, you know, psychological harm as in disrupting someone's ego or disrupting someone's narrative or disrupting the perceived ignorant comfort that someone else is in. And for me, I'm always weighted with the fear of abandonment is the call back to differentiating that place for myself. That's always the place where I'm like, could I be abandoned for speaking this? And I've renegotiated the terms of that with myself that I would be unwilling to abandon my truth within myself by staying silent and therefore speaking my truth that causes anyone to leave I just bless them and thank them for showing me what they're unwilling to be present to within themselves and and staying with myself and staying Because let's be honest, that's staying. I'm I'm gonna guess here also, but as something you've learned, you've retaught yourself how to stay with your body and anything that it is moving through. Oh, I <laughs> anything. I would say it's definitely an intention and it's definitely a practice. And you know, this was really forged with my relationship with my dear mum, who wasn't able to be present with herself and um, would kind of coax me into all sorts of labour and all sorts of um, raising her own children for her, my sisters, um, so that I could earn her love. And I played the game, you know, down to an art. I was willing to fulfil her request, scrub the bath, you know, scrub the bottom of her feet and all these tasks in order to earn love because that right is our conditioning that we we don't know that there's anything else but then as an adult on my own terms it was you know seven years really being with myself with a chronic binge eating disorder where every time I would fall into another binge I would relish the chance to become so lost in shame that that would be my ticket to disconnect from myself and abandon myself that was just how do I say it, it was so <laughs> you know, just so steeped in self-permission that that the shame warranted the abandonment and it was a, a certain binge one day and I had been moving closer and closer towards self-compassion and I said even now, as you do this, I stay with you and I hold you in compassion. You continue and you go as long as you need. Now you get what you need, you do what you need and I'll, I'll love you through this. And, and that was the day I freed myself because I finally broke this unconscious fascination with trying to come up with what's the grossest, baddest, most shameful action that could necessitate me to abandon myself just so that I could find where that line was within myself. And I don't have to dance that any longer. I don't, I don't have to bargain with myself internally. I'm convinced over repeated experiences that, that I will stay and that I will stay when I feel ashamed most. Wow. That is when it's the most challenging to stay, right? When when the mind says and tries its best to convince us, and I'm saying us because your story is beautifully relatable mm -hmm. in my life also, 
where it tries to convince us to do everything except stay. So, so attractive, so appealing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll go there. What's over here? Yeah. Oh, more shame. Yes. <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> I, I honor your encounters with this shame and it has different shades and, and colors for all of us and it, it's such sacred territory and um, Tokopa Turner, an author that I adore, speaks about there being ancient ruins within us all and that they're holy grounds. It's sacred terrain to go to the places where our dreams were broken, our hearts were broken, and we lost everything we once held to be most dear. And, and I have this proclivity towards the, the ancient castles and the ancient burial ground, and, and, and I get that reverence and respect we have for, like, gosh, this is all that's left. And, and I love this idea that, that sacrifice really makes things sacred and and we feel like when we weren't the one choosing the loss that that somehow permits the self-pity but I have that deep trust that life only takes from me what is no longer meant for me and when I can really fall into reverent devotion and, and accepting that it's just so beautiful it's just then then what comes it, it actually feels like a very intentional offering for you personally like this beautiful feather I'm thinking of um I'd been looking for a pheasant feather for oh, uh, six years and um the quote that's been guiding me over the last few years is you know I release that which does not belong to me so that I can hold what is truly mine and I feel like, you know, all this grappling that we're doing mentally and with our lives and in the world, it just comes down to an innate sense of distrust with life that we can't acknowledge that we're not in control of what departs and what stays. I love that. Your articulation with language builds the picture in my mind to comprehend the learning that you are sharing. And so I thank you for the way you describe everything, every single thing. And I have a question for you. Do you have possibly one to three tools or, I don't want to call them tools. Yeah, I would say tools for those who are listening that are, are feeling like, oh yeah, I can definitely relate to that, that spiral of, of shame or possibly distortion between staying with their body have you some tools in that space that you would care to share mm. yeah I would share my self-devotion practice of of waking in the morning and holding my belly and saying I am with you and I love you and mother is here I love saying mother is here because I have experienced that core mother wound which really called me into deep devotion with the feminine I think innately we, we really want someone to mother us and I went through a process of self-adopting at one stage because I was so bereft and lost in my grief I kept on sabotaging and annihilating myself and so this idea of adopting my inner child and becoming her mother and being ever-present um, that kind of set up this reverent experience of life where I feel like I'm in a metaphorical womb and that that life is the great mother and that she's always holding me and always providing the sustenance of what's needed and 
creating an environment where I can just effortlessly grow and mature. And so, yeah, in the night and in the morning, like really like mother is here. And I just love that I am that mother and life is that mother and, and my intuition is that mother. And yeah. I think I think that's the I think that's the core of um my self-devotion because the the other two apertures for me are words. Words are a way in for me. And so journaling, you know, witnessing myself, just really having that self-permission pen to paper. And I want to feel that pen moving on that paper, like, you know, let let the expression imprint down or, or be light and wispy or you know, I get into the curly writing and then you get into the like, the, and I think just words really do have this way where we can self-witness. And for me, that that's my way in, but my way out is movement. And so once I get in and I'm like, okay, I see, I'm here, I'm here with you. Then I'm like, right, what movement and, and for me, I always do lots of circles, circles around the side and circles over and, and just trying to stretch as far as I can just to create that sanctuary, to create that clearing. Whatever's been happening, just clear it and clear it and clear it and, and let go. And the movement, the way that we have this primal ability to cast off, um, yeah, self-mothering write it out move it through thank you Bastian. I, I had no um awareness that these were such pivotal self-devotion practices that have been necessary for my existence on this planet please tell me yours mm, thank you for sharing they are beautiful beautiful tools and tips that I even consider myself in the morning I would definitely be keen to drop into the space of my womb and to share that with myself because the start of the, a brand new day right and it's my opportunity to make of it what I wish in terms of my tools I too love reflection practices when it comes to writing I was cracking up when you were talking about the the types of handwriting because I showed a friend of mine a piece of writing in my journal and I'm I'm sure it changed three times within you know this paragraph of writing and you were talking about the crossing out for me that is the form of expression that needs to shift again so definitely relatable on that part the second thing for me is to witness nature and her beauty so actually to be outside I live with um, horses around my property, so I love to watch them eat. There's a certain softness that comes from the sound of their both their hooves on the ground and them eating grass. Anyone that has heard that before will definitely be able to connect with that that feeling that bubbles in the body because it's we've been you know spending time around horses for eons, mm. and and it's a yeah a sound that reminds me again that that I'm held by the great mother by Papa Tuanuku our earth mother and that I can't control anything <laughs> I mean I can control what I eat um I can control what I eat yes but but any you know anything outside of that zone it, it just reminds me yeah, that Papa Tuanuku 
is here for my support and to hold me in stability and suppleness. Mm. Now, the final thing that I would love to share is actually super tangible. Water. For me, drinking water has been a game changer to my relationship with self in every context. Um, I think it's probably in relation to moving things through my lymphatic system but also just the cooling down of my system um yeah that would be my three I reckon so beautiful I I had a horse for three years and I know I know that the, the, the crunch it's so soft it's such a soft crunch and and they're just they're so present but they do it for so long I don't know if everyone knows how long horses eat every day it just requires so much grass for them to be sustained and nourished and so it, it's very methodical right it's, it's the consistency and the continuation of that act of, of self-nourishment right of feeding self um, so beautiful Estiana I I know your heart well in such a short period of time I'm stoked to know that you've had a horse. I'll be sending you some voicemail clips of um the horse out there eating <laughs> yes. for you to indulge in. Yeah. Now I've got another couple of questions for you. So I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into those. I've got a why question for you. Why do you feel it's so important to and maybe we've kind of danced around this using that definition because we both love a dance. Why do you think it's so essential for us, and I say us as a human race, to be, to not be silent? Why is it so important? I mean, one of the things that has really kept me on the earth is is the recognition that nature sees me, that, that the trees that I walk past and the grass under my feet and, and the clouds all have a, a witnessing quality for me this this great mother Papatuanuku and for me the privilege of of being conscious and alive is to witness and I moved through a lot of why questions like you know what's my purpose and what am I doing here and this has evolved like millions of times of course as, as I'm sure everyone can relate to but I got to a point where I'm here to forgive and I saw my function as forgiveness. And then that wasn't incredibly motivating for me. I'm like, and then I kind of, I moved to grace that, you know, my function is grace. Okay. But even that, sometimes I have to be discerning with my internal capacity and my willingness to extend that. And so when I bring it into witness, that my, my function is to witness, then it allows me to be a equipment of perception to, to see what's really happening. And if you really listen intently to enough people and, and their experiences and their trauma, one of the most fundamental overarching ideas that you'll hear is that they felt unseen, that no one noticed, that no one saw, and that from that no one cared, they're unloved, they're unimportant and significant. And and my years of being devoted to really being present to people's experiences have, has convinced my soul that if we all remembered that we were actually here to see one another, that would be such a monumental leap forward for all of us to return to that innate sense of safety and belonging that is essential to existing, 
that the where you know some people are attempting to confuse themselves out of knowing that that I haven't I'm like I I need connection I need belonging if I can't find anyone to do that with I have that with myself I'm committed to that with myself and like you're saying you have that with nature once again I think you're just drawing something really beautiful forward from me that I think I've been reflecting on for a really long time but I, I wouldn't have known that I felt that way Asiana so such a beautiful space you create to draw forward these answers and as soon as I met you I, I felt really seen by you in our initial introduction I'm like this woman has eyes on me holy damn and I, I, I felt that there's a feeling that you get when you know someone can really see you and so my current life is really witnessing the people before me and really only permitting people to stay who are willing to see therefore speaking is a consequence of seeing like we said if journaling is the aperture in and dance is, is the aperture out then my function of existence is, is to see and then to speak what I see so my discipline is to is to speak the words that I feel in my heart based on what I see I'm feeling very philosophical now Astiana. <laughs> mm -hmm. oh that's so beautiful to hear you again to hear you and to see you and and sharing these parts of of yourself you know and thank you very much for acknowledging that because I too felt very seen by you hence most likely why we're having this call at all <laughs> now you spoke to the the concepts and the not even the concept of us as humans being animals now I'd love to know is there a particular animal archetype that really beacons you or enjoy spending time with you or you've fallen deeply into relationship with i have my king cobra earrings on today and um i i think king cobra was the first animal where i went yes like yes and you know it, once again we don't choose these things that that these earrings were my first pussy yes if if you were unacquainted with a pussy yes this is when our literal vulva you know is is doing a, a squishing squeezing motion so deep within my vaginal cavity I felt like this pulse and it was and I'm like ah oh, you know you're in a shopping center and completely unaroused and I'm just gazing upon a seeming pair of earrings but you know, this is, you know, really listening to the voice within, finding that pussy, yes, for me was a real recognition of me being an animal and having an instinctual knowing because these weren't a pair of earrings that was just another aperture home into my wildness. And whenever I wear them, they get a lot of comment, like, oh, 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 ah, oh you know, this full spectrum of emotion and my research and, and learning with King Cobra medicine is how frequently they share. They're such a fierce snake. They're, they're a, a consumer of other snakes, for those who don't know that the King Cobra consumes its fellow snakes. Uh, however, it will not consume another King Cobra. They will actually have this monumental battle where they'll be up and they, and they smack. And, they, and whoever kind of stops like is held down that that's the one that has to leave the territory but they've got so much reverence and respect for one another they wouldn't kill one another right these snake eating snakes actually bow and so when they're shedding 
they're just this fearsome creature, but because they've got scales over their eyes, they go clouded whenever they're shedding their skin. And, and I literally, when I'm in soul rebirth mode and, and it's getting flaky, this king cobra also withdraws into the cave and lets out the hiss and is so fearsome just in sound, but is literally so deeply vulnerable because they can't see. And for me, being near someone who can see me when I'm shedding and I, I mean, I'm just discombobulated, I don't even know who I am anymore, their gaze will call me back into my newness. And this is why surrounding ourselves with people who can truly see is so critical for me, is that my commitment to continually shedding like the animals that we are means that this ever vibrant, ever renewed version that I'm not in control of is permitted to come through. And there's life in that, there's regeneration, there's sustainability, there's vitality in permitting that new creature to emerge. And so the king cobra for me, just that polarity of intense vulnerability and then they're the most fearsome. And, and, and sometimes I imagine like if I've got to do some badass self-advocacy or show up to a scene, I'll just have these two king cobras just hovering the fuck on my shoulders and I'm like, like, so prepared to speak the words that other people might perceive as hurtful that are an expression of my truth that I do with as much grace and diplomacy as I can muster um, and yet I, I will not desecrate and dishonor my own belonging with myself by staying silent because then I'm stifling my life I'm, I'm constricting my channel and and I'm inviting myself to become deadened and, and that's not what I want. That's not the, the energy that I want to transmit. I want to create an environment where anyone has the freedom and self-permission to bring forward their truth. I can hear anyone's truth. If someone can't hear my truth and they're, they're safe to leave or they're safe to advocate for themselves or negotiate something that would be more comfortable. But yeah, I think once you die enough deaths, you realize it's a good thing. And those small internal deaths give way to something that we could never try to become it's it's yeah very humbling to feel how many times you've been through this to Estiana been through the old rebirth channel one of my dear friends calls it the skinny bit man when you're going in don't back up the truck keep going it's like a birth canal she's like skinny bitch you know when the baby's coming through <laughs> like the shoulders are hitting pelvis and you're like oh. it's so agonizing but just keep going. You can't, you can't go back. You're going to get stuck there. And really understanding these regenerative rebirthing concepts are so innately feminine. They're so connected to Papatu Anuku and the regeneration that she essentially knows these rhythms, these cycles that all humans are like, blah, 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 like just pretending like, oh, I, I like this. You cannot have this. So keep it. I'm just like, I, I have no pretense within myself that could imagine that the idea of what I want to keep is more important than submitting to the will of life itself. And what's coming through, right? Because we don't know, we don't know. We, we make a conscious choice, of course, and we set our intentions, but we don't know how it's going to show up. And so what you're signifying there and the beautiful analogy that you have so kindly shared with us surrounding the King Cobra, which I didn't know, Eight other snakes, so thank you for oh, that. Welcome. Snake eater, man. It's, it's badass. It's badass. 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 Now, 
it's it, it really truly sounds like King Cobra has has played and worked with you on some really deep levels. I'm stoked to hear about the Pussy Pulse because I too have experienced that and I feel like every fucking woman but I'm using it now <laughs> should have the opportunity to tap into that and I feel like when we as individuals learn to let go of that control factor and and decide okay the birth canal uh, uh, I'm hitting it I'm going full force for it then we have an opportunity to feel it all and that's when that comes into play right yeah listening to that language the language of the animal body is, is such profound wisdom and and it's there for us and and this juxtaposition between embodiment and the intellectualizing you know we, we need to find harmony and allow them to get closer and closer where all the selves are coming into harmony and integration and they have a relationship with one another but when you live it in your head and, and freaking out, projecting all the pain from your past onto your future in perpetuity, I go, you've got no recognition. How many pussy pulses did I miss, Astiana? How many times was some innate knowing communicating wisdom to me that I was deaf, dumb and blind to? And, and for me, repeatedly, that information is what has allowed me to emerge through and, and survive and rise and thrive when the past versions of myself would have absolutely crumbled, would have been wasted and ruined. <laughs> There's only so long that we can hold ourselves in deaf, dumb and blind too, right? As you said that, my worm space just went, <sighs> because I mean I can speak for myself in this context but we're sharing this because and we're having this conversation because this is the reality in which we live in it's, these are the experiences that by the sounds of it have really transformed your relationship to self and to connection as a whole and I feel like the whole point in me creating this podcast was to talk to everyday beautiful human beings about their lives and, and what it is that they do, how they are in the world, and why they feel like that's important. And I just want to acknowledge that you spoke about the King Cobras beside you when you are... <laughs> Reminds me of the hands that you dance with often. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah, great. I see that now. I hadn't seen that before. This is kind of my own personal visualization that that feeling like I needed to stand alone so many points in my life I had to create some visuals to kind of help myself feel like even ancestors can feel very faint for me I, I'm not an incredibly visual person I'm a kinesthetic person so my clan sentient knowing is what is really strong I can perceive really clearly but I can't always see it and so I have to very actively create this imagery in my mind to strengthen me to just stop me from bailing on myself. And man, when you've got two hovering king cobras on your shoulders, you're going to be fine. And <laughs> I tell you what, the moment I did that and I cut my hair short and I just started wearing like as much as I could, like translucent clothing, like cleavage is out. You know, I'm, I'm from a conservative religion and was raised to think my body was wrong, bad and deeply sinful and five years out. So 
really conditioning myself to feel safety in my form and safety in my femininity. These ways that we can conjure forward, right? Anything that you need to strengthen yourself. You know, we can be so resourceful when we understand the task at hand, that then if we're strengthened by this ferocity, then we can speak the truth that we feel in our heart and we can stand with ourselves and stay and then witness what unfolds, right? Not knowing that knowing that you don't know what's what's gonna unfold. And I, I feel how much that strength has been imbued within you as well. The courage to stay. How how are you staying and who are you standing with, Estiana? Mm. You know, I think sometimes I've stood by myself also as a, I was born into this world as a only child. And um, I, I often would think by standing by myself, you know, have beautiful friends, etc. But over the last probably seven years, I've come into a deep relationship with Wairua with energy and, and this really, really deep remembrance to the relationship I have with my father in this this realm of the realm that I cannot see but I can communicate with and feel. And so along with groupings of fucking epic humans that light me up and encourage me to do the things that are scary to say the things that nobody else is willing to say and then you know those who make me food when I'm sick literally showing up at my door like I have beautiful humans like that I also come into communities where I meet people like yourselves and I'm expanded beyond what I had been in the last say three months you know and so for me, when it comes to who am, I, who am I standing with, it's like there's such a variety of not even who that is, but what that is. Like, what am I standing with? I also think about the animals that I closely work in relation with, and both metaphysically and actually in the physical. So I, I hear you in what you're saying and, and at some point needing the archetype or the character or the entity to to be in relationship to bolster oneself because I too have been there and it's, you know, the choices we make to get through. And I, I feel so honoured to have been asked that question actually because I didn't have that realisation until <laughs> until receiving that. I have a, a, a final reflection and I suppose it is still a part a question for you. You mentioned your work and I feel like I know your work, but I would love to hear from you and those who are listening. I know that they would benefit from hearing more about what your mahi is, where your heart lies and possibly even your vision for what it looks like moving forward. Mm, what an honour. No, I just, yeah, deeply appreciate um, the sisterhood acknowledgement that we've kind of brought to each other from the beginning and, and how much dismantling one needs to do to be able to really embrace sisterhood with a point-blank stranger that your heart's like, oh, we know her. Yeah, yeah, good book to her. Yeah, 
yeah, you know, and 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 the and the level of fear and fear of rejection and and all of that that one needs to move through to actually claim sisterhood. So really honoring your experience in this life and and just the, the rapture that you've met me with and what an utter privilege and blessing that is to be on the receiving end of, Estiana. Um, I can tell you what I know it is now. And I think when we talk about visions, I personally would not consider myself a visionary. However, I am radical <laughs> and I am a revolutionary, but I do it very instantaneous. So I know what to do now, but I, I live on the cusp of life. I, I don't have huge attachments to how it needs to look in the future because invariably I'll need to surrender that and that will die too. So I, my practice right now is just to live on the cusp of reality where I go, what? because my my guidance is very now to a month. Like that's my window. I, I don't I don't access huge things in the future. If it's significant to my children or, or that I do, but not really. And so what I've realized my work is, is to be such a, a radical example of of freedom, self-liberation and self-adoration that I could offer the medicine to anyone near me that, that they too can feel so safe and free to be who they are. And in particular, the freedom for the feminine to emerge through us like delicious fruit. Um, for me, our business, our mahi, is one of the most important things for me because if a woman has her own money, she can craft her own life. And when a woman can't craft her own life, there, there's things that happen to us that I don't want to talk about. And I've witnessed that in all of its shapes and forms. And, and my innate soul solution for that as a Capricorn ascendant is like money. Yes. And so getting into business as a 24-year-old and this is my 16th year and I've evolved through life coaching and eating disorder recovery for six years and was a healer for four years and now I've been devoted to business owners for the last six, seven years and healers and coaches and, and radical revolutionaries who are here to create incredible change and really deeply standing beside them and dismantling the construct of what is holding them back. This is a misogynistic world that not only has a prejudice against women, but fundamentally has a prejudice against all of the fruits of the feminine, intuition, creativity, individuation, our authenticity, our sensuality, our sexuality. These pieces are all shamed and ridiculed in this world because it is of chaos, it is eros, and it can't be controlled, it can't be manufactured, it can't be forced to do anything and this construct of the masculine paradigm that has ruled for so long I like come in and I'm like you know we can use money for whatever we want you know we can use business for whatever we want and just kind of bust open all the rules and all the things that we tell ourselves because everyone is fundamentally holding back and I include myself we hold back because if we were to be the pure form expression of what we were formed to become, there would be so much that we perceive that we would lose that we secretly hold back to mitigate the loss. And that has been my experience. And I am so deeply committed to surrendering anything that would hold back the pure expression of what I'm here to bring. And Yes, Lisa Glass. 
I'm so moved and in awe of myself for all that I've shared in order to create space for others to dismantle anything that's holding them back because there is prosperity to be found in pure expression, 100%. You're so hot. Oh, my gosh. You're so hot. Oh, man, I feel an eat my face. Thank you for asking the question, that's the other. <laughs> you know, we go, what's the value of the feminine? It doesn't give us anything. And, and this is where the feminine is deconstructive. The feminine strips away and returns us to authenticity and purity and the pure stream of creativity that's flowing through us all. And that's actually the source of life, vitality, communion with nature and everything. And a lot of people are struggling to find sense in the chaos when there's so much dismantling and it's just such a, an integral period of time where there's so much freedom available for us as we stay committed to bringing our truth forward in the moment. My practice is I will meet this moment with my truth and I will not try to force the outcome to go this direction or the other. Now it's taken years of so much healing and dismantling to have that level of trust that, that I'm not here to force life to conform to my will because that's what the masculine business struck. What's your goal? What's your plan? What are you, how are you going to do that? What's your strategy? And I'm like, my strategy is to bring my truth to the moment. And that is how prosperity has come for me. So I'm an advocate for other women's truth to be spoken and shared and to create containers that nourish them so that money can easily and effortlessly come to them so they can share their ideas further and farther. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> it's seeping into my bones. Your words are seeping into my bones right now because uh, there's so much yes and, and everything that you've just laid out on the forefront for all of us. <laughs> I did massacre many versions of myself to speak that, so you're very welcome. Now, in terms of places to find you, where do you hang out the most in terms of online? I think my favorite place would be Instagram, particularly my stories. Like, I bring the best of my heart to my stories. Um, I think because they're all the people that I just feel so much reciprocity with and so much connection. And I'm on Facebook as well. So, yeah, mostly on Instagram than Facebook. And, look, I'm on LinkedIn. I think I'll do three posts a year on LinkedIn. But for me, where are the places where I find the people that I love? Like, I love watching your stories and I love watching what you're putting out. And so I, I feel like I've got this collection of the most remarkable human beings that I get the privilege to commune with. And um, being able to see behind the scenes and into their hearts, I just find that such a delicious dance, hey? Mm, I too love Instagram and I love your stories. Yeah. Oh, I love your stories so much. I feel like I've found a soulmate that too loves to move and groove as a, as a form of inspiration for others to see and experience because we know that there's people out there that are yet to find their body and that the rhythm of movement that is not about judgment but more so about the, the actual process of moving the body right so 
I watch your story and it makes me want to boogie. It makes me want to feel into what is present for me. Well, I, I just want to hang out with a herd of horses when I watch your story. So keep it coming, Estiana. <laughs> Ooh, sounding like some some weaving happening in this space. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd I'd love to finalise by asking about the offerings you have available at present in regards to people working with you. What does that look like? So deliciously direct. This is just so delicious. Such a penetrating force that you're bringing forward. I'm like here for it, fully here for it. I have two offers, and this has been with great discipline that I have narrowed my offers over many, many years. And many women have been in business for a long time. We kind of become encumbered with offers and programs and courses, but there are the two devotions for my heart. The first is Vision Sanctuary. This is 45 minutes where I get so fully present to the vision, the knowing, the feeling within someone of what they're wanting to create in their sacred work. This can be similar to what you're doing or different. Often people come to me when they're at a crossroads and they're a little bit unsure. And seven years of studying the I Ching, I bring through um, energetic archetype reflections of who people really are. And what this does is I offer that deep confirmation and reflection that you are always on the right track. And everyone always says that. They always say, I knew that, but they didn't know they knew that. And and that's what I bring, that sacred confirmation. Um, Probably half the people that do that with me come up with something where they go, I wouldn't even know how to create this. And I'm like, wow, I love creating things that have never been in the world before. Shall we? And um, my second offer is my business rebirth experience. And this is a two month process with me where we start, you know, really going deep into who you have become and how you want to reflect and represent that in a world, in a world that's nourishing for you. My favorite quote is what does the creation create in the creator? Because for me, I'm a whole new creature every year of business. And we know this. But, but there's a real disconnect sometimes between hearing that inner voice and translating that into new website copy or new showcasing like marketing material. And so I stand as an intermediary and as a bridge that can translate that sense of knowing you have within yourself. And, and I will write that. And I don't see it as copy creation. I see it as channeling and reflecting the truth that exists within someone. And then they go on to do bigger, badasser things in the world and create more waves and um, dismantle more constructs and earn more by doing it easily. So um, that they're the ways that I am enchanted and enraptured to commune and dance with other humans in the world. Enraptured. Did you hear that? It already feels like a yes for me in regards to business and to the way things can be done you know I think as a solopreneur we or often I have thought about you know possibly doing it myself all of the time and those who are in the space of space of creating or bringing to life new things it is hugely beneficial like beyond beneficial to have somebody that can truly reflect what you're wanting to create because as you mentioned earlier, Lisa, we always have these barriers for ourselves. So then we're, you know, kept in that same space or not being too, too different or not being judged. And I, I appreciate hearing the oh, offerings. 
that are present for you and those those who are yet to work with you, including myself, I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled that we had an opportunity to actually talk about what it is that you do. I adore you. I adore you. And it's such a privilege to, you know, this kind of resonant connection is what I call a kindred connection. And for me, business is fundamentally built on the truth of our identity, forging powerful magnetic connections with our kindred. You don't even know where the people are going to be in the world that are going to fall in love with your work. And I just really appreciate feeling the enormity of your soul present in this whole conversation and this whole corridor that you're making space for with all the people that you care about giving their voice out in the world. Um, I adore you, Estiana. This has been so luscious and lovely for my heart. Thank you, Lisa, for making time to be here and to yeah share your words with the world because you are an absolute wild woman and an oracle for what is becoming in this world thank goodness i really my intention is that not being planned or organized in this at all is that whatever your people have been really praying and asking to hear that there's some portion that's been able to move through both of us to reach them and I really send like my personal blessing of grace that I really know those gaps that show up in our lives where we we don't feel like we have the things that we need, no matter what that is. And just really asserting and declaring that that what we do really need is always here and having the eyes and the courage to see it and ask for it. And there we have it. Final words. <laughs> From the beautiful Lisa Black. Oh, gosh. Adore you. Appreciating you. Feeling fed and full in all the ways. And I'm, I'm going to need to move all this energy through my body now. Inviting you now to take a big breath and allow this corridor to seep deeply into your bones. Allowing the information to sink all the way in. As you've heard, Lisa has a infectious energy. One that propels you into new ways of working and living and being or existing in this world. Now down below this episode are a few ways in which you can connect with Lisa online. And I highly recommend doing work with her. As I record this, there's a horse laying down. Reminding me of the importance of rest. And two, reminding you that it's okay to let go of the stance of standing all the time. And to soften into the possibility of trust. Thank you so much for listening, for being here to tune in to Cuppers and Corridor. Your feedback is always appreciated. Have the best day.